Hey there, welcome to the in between. Um, we're so glad you're with us. Uh, we are uh, still at the beginning of Peter, mm-hmm. First Peter, um, and um, we're we're probably going to be at the beginning of First Peter for a while because every time we start looking at these, you know, verses, we it there's just too much to absolutely unpack so quickly. We are we are going to get past six words though this Sunday. We're going to do seven. Wow. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's progress, man. We did we did a whole bunch of words last week. We did, you're right. A whole a whole verse. A whole verse. <clears throat> which which easily could have been broken into six word sermons. Sure. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, the sanctification of the Spirit, obedience to Jesus Christ, the sprinkling sprinkling of his blood. You don't think each one of those could have been thirty five minutes long? No, no, I hear you. Easily. Easily. But it was good to take them all as one. It really that's why I did it. That's, I didn't feel like I had to rush through it. I did it because having them together really important. Felt powerful. Yeah. Felt and like the way it needed to be done. Absolutely. Um, so you know, not in a hurry in first Peter, and that's a really good thing. Mm-hmm. Um but but tell us about what you're what you're thinking about for the um I guess verses three through seven. Yep. This is the next bit, and I. This is truly, honestly, because I was teaching with <clears throat> youth and families Sunday night, and I taught it in you know, Eagles Bluff last night, and I'm teaching to Eagles Bluff again tonight. I have barely even got to dive into this section this time around, and so today's today's podcast really will be us looking at it together and discussing it and pointing out some of the things that we need to really emphasize and and. Uh, because I have actually not gotten to dive into it. But my goal is to start um, a section, and I don't know how many weeks it will take, but to, it, won't, it won't be done until we're done with verse 7, which goes like this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the testing, tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> So there you go. A lot there. I mean, and I've also got to tell you, I memorized First Peter in the NIV, and so it is so hard for me to read, <laughs> to in, read the in the ESV. No, I hear you. Oh, my gosh. My brain is trying to – it's like trying to walk while looking in a mirror or something. Yeah. Like it's – everything feels a little bit off. Have you ever uh, read a different um, translation while somebody else is reading – or been like while somebody else is speaking one translation, mm-hmm. you're reading another one? Mm-hmm. That's what it feels like to me. Oh my gosh! When it's like I it's even am because it's in uh, my head. Or, <laughs> yes, Ugh. but it's it's kind of cool because I keep going. It, it's one of those deals that makes me always now want to ask somebody like, okay, why did y'all pick this word and y'all pick this word? Yeah. What would and and the amount of you know behind the scenes money. would be required <laughs> money. Somebody uh, donated. That's part of it for sure. <laughs> no, it's, not donated. <laughs> this is something. That, yeah, no, no they, the vast majority of why we have uh, so different. many modern translations right. is because we have different publishing companies, mm, mm-hmm. and it's at the publishing companies you can't 
can't if they you know if they don't own the rights to their own bible and somebody's writing in their within their publishing group mm-hmm. and under their umbrella and they cite that other translation well then they have to pay that other translation and so publishing companies then have a drive to mm-hmm. produce their own version of so the it bible. has to be enough different <clears throat> yeah so that then it's something that they own then everybody within their umbrella can cite that and nobody has to pay anything and so one of the reasons why we had a massive boom, because, you know, that was kind of the question of like, what happened? Why did we have, right. you know, the King James version forever and everybody was fine with it. And then all of a sudden it's like we started getting new translations and then just had a massive boom in translations. Well, it was right. actually the massive growth in Christian publishing. That was one of, one of the major drivers for that. And again, it's not that they aren't good translations. Right. I think no. by the time it hits a publishing level, it's probably still... For the most part, you can, you, as long as you're using it the way that it is intended yeah. in its publishing, whether it's a word for word or a thought by thought, you know, kind right. of understanding. Well, what it can be, and uh, make sure you don't um, understand that as a as a black or white. That's a spectrum. Yeah. Um, and and it's important. Like actually, at the beginning of most of the Bibles, they will they will explain to you their uh, basic philosophy on how they right. Uh, translated this bible yeah, that's usually is, is it trying to serve that's usually right at the beginning mm-hmm. of the bible sorry go ahead well, Paul. no but it, it's just that and so yeah. it's not that all of a sudden we've we have new scrolls or new revelation no. or new right. you know scholarship that's now made a better version of this uh it's really nope we need to save money and so that's how it is it existed <laughs> and so to not panic and be like oh gosh which which one's the right one i gotta find the right the best translation um, no, there's a lot of them serving a lot of different purposes, and that's a lot right. of them are good. You just have to make sure you're using it the way it's intended to be used. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I, when people ask that, I always will say, like, there are plenty that aren't good. All the rest of them are probably fine as long as you're willing to be a student. Yeah, And student. I just tell people, which which Bible should I read? And I'm like, well, which which one will, will you, you read? read? Yeah, which one will you read? Probably that one. Um, it's a storybook Bible. But you were talking about like why they why they choose different ones. Um, the Net Bible, the Net Bible, yeah, um, NET. I don't really know. Anyway, New English translation, probably, but I have no idea. But it uh, this is I've got one called the, the full www. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's my mind goes immediately to Net internet. like dot it's net. The, it's the Internet Bible. Um, this one's called the Full Notes Edition. New English um, translation is correct. Mm-hmm. And it, ding, ding, ding. Uh, but this one, the full notes edition of it, has a lot of notes, and most of those notes are about why some things translate this this way right. and some translate it in another way. It's been really helpful yep. to have as, as a reference when I'm reading something else. Because it's, it's actually kind of hard to read. Um. Not in itself, but there's so many notations that it's like you, your, my brain gets distracted really easily by them. So if I want to read the Bible the way it's written, I have to read one without notes, there and you then go. I go to one with, that has notes and study it. But yeah, because you can't. What you can't see if you're listening is that the majority of the page, I'd say probably almost three fourths of the page, is notes. Yeah. Well, and the rest is pictures. Yeah, so exactly. It's the only way I can read. Exactly. I know. <laughs> is that net. felt? Is that felt? Is that a felt board? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Flannel graph. I can move the. I can move the David around. That's while right. He, he trumps on color. The Wonder. net Bible 
was <laughs> initially conceived at the annual meeting of the Society of Biblical Literature in November of 1995 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Wow. The translation project originally stated as an attempt to provide a digital version of the modern English translation over the internet mm. and on CD-ROM. And so on CD-ROM. So it's a, so so it's a double a usage. Double the word net is yeah. the new English translation for the net. Yeah. Wow. wow. That's clever. That's awesome. And here I am with a physical copy yeah. of and it. And people say yeah. Chris, Christians aren't creative. <laughs> How hipster are you? <laughs> not just not just a clever name. Um, anyway, yeah, read read the Bible. That's yep. That's an important point word. number one. <clears throat> yep, you're probably not going to go wrong. Um, so anyway, as reading through it, instead of saying. That's the blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The version I, version I memorized was praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Clearly, mm-hmm. that's not some big translational leap. Nope. Um, it's just picking a different word that that Greek word can mean just as easily. Um, so that's really cool. But this is one of the sections, by the way, when you memorize First Peter, this is one of the sections that's really tough because it is one almost one thought, and it keeps stacking. Yeah. There's... there's um, Another couple of those that I remember because it's been a long time since I memorized it. It's been fifteen years, but it, it where there's another couple of others where it's like, oh my gosh, it just it keeps stacking ideas on top of each other. The next one was the place where it talks about the prophets. It was revealed to them, and it it just keeps stacking. I have to find that one in a minute, but all right, it's right after it. Concerning oh, it really? this, the salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was yeah. to be yours. That's ten. Okay, you're right. It's right there. Yeah, um, and it's, but it. I, it makes me wonder if, like, that's how Peter was talking, or if the um, Emmanuelist is just like, okay, like, just talk for a second and let me try to figure try out to what you're saying. Summarize that, put that ten words. Yeah. yeah. But this is it's, here's what's wild. Um, again, this was not intentional. I did not go. We didn't go look at First Peter and say how often does First Peter connect with Daniel. Um, we didn't think. I didn't think that way at least. Um, and I will tell you more and more as I'm reading it. I've, I've realized I've got to set aside some time to research why people don't think Peter wrote the book of Hebrews because, man, the themes are so connected, even if I'm, I guess as the language isn't or something like that, but, man, the themes are just so connected. But this is a great like – we're talking again about that our hope comes through Jesus' resurrection and that our hope is in ours. And that's a – we talked about that during – Easter, we talked about it at the end of Daniel. We're it's just intriguing to me that here we are back on that conversation of our hope coming from what he did and what that means for us when we talk about the resurrection. Yeah. Um I think it's cool. Um, uh, <laughs> yep. And there's uh, a lot of repetition. <laughs> yep. And fun. Uh so this is actually probably a, a a great play on words. That's meant to be probably more of a memory cue um, or keyed up these three characteristics of our inheritance. Um, each one of the, each one of these three words, the imperishable undefiled and unfading all start with the same letter and end with the same syllable in Greek. And so it's more like a nice. memory tag. Yeah. So it's apatharton, oh. amianton and ameriton. And that's again, a linkage probably yeah. even closer. It's not just like three random words. Peter's trying to highlight. He's actually highlighting those three words, tying them together probably, again, as a device for memory. I knew Peter was a Baptist pastor. <laughs> and there were three. <clears throat> um, three. Okay, I'm going to have to make note of that. I'll go look yeah, that up so I'll have fun. the verbatim on that. 
Chris, my, my, my son Holland on the teaching Sunday night, Chris Shearer did three or four different sets of three or four things that all started with the same letter. And sure. Holland was like, wow, he loves the alliteration. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a reason. It's helping you oh, remember it's, it. That's exactly right. Ginger so, loves it too. There's a reason we sing so much. Um, Inheritance that was, because those are three different words again than the NIV, but imperishable, undefiled, undefiled. and unfading. Yep. Um, unlike everything here on earth mm-hmm. that is perishable, defiled, and, and fading. fading. F.W. Bear, in his commentary ancient ago, an inheritance that is untouched by death, unsustained by evil, and unimpaired by time. And he's like, and his point, and he nice. continues over there, is like, add whatever. Like, add, add anything to the tag afterwards. That's what it is, because it won't affect the inheritance that we have. Mm. That's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it is, I think it's supposed to be in sharp contrast with the things that we pursue here on earth, trying to make us um, comforted. Oh, gosh, what we're talking about right before the hope. podcast. This, yeah. Is that where Chris. you're working? Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> like, I'm, Chris, hey, like, I just caught up. Hey, hey, hey. It's almost like what we're is, trying to go somewhere would, with that's this. That's in the like Bible. A segue or something. That would have okay, been a sorry. perfect segue, That John. would have been a great segue, John, if you thought of that. Um, anyway. Glad I, could, glad I could help. Go ahead. There's a C.S. Lewis quote. <laughs> we were just talking about good help. From the way- <laughs> yeah, the only thing harder than good help is a good boss. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> How am I getting picked on? Because <laughs> you've got both in the room. That's, that's why. True. That's very true. You're a great boss, John. What is your quote that you're going to share? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so C.S. Lewis in The Weight of Glory, and then we're going to hear a, a really great quote okay, um, from Paul. Have, yeah, i got to pull it back up. You don't have it. Um, it's, it's, it, it. Paul's is longer, but I I mean, y'all are... Y'all need to hear this, but but the C.S. Lewis quote that uh, I first thought of um, was the from the weight of glory, and he says it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. Mm-hmm. So we think of ourselves, and this is not the quote, sorry, but we think of ourselves as as like that our passions are really strong, and I think sometimes as Christians we think of it that way because our we think of our temptations as being really strong, right, right, but that's not the case like they're actually pretty weak um and if it let's read through this if it seemed that our lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us that's the part that we don't believe mm. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. Um, mm-hmm. it, I, I mean, I think that we we are just constantly finding easy ways to um, slick our thirsts, mm-hmm. um, and and we think of those thirsts as being ravenous because it's so hard to do without something that we see um i'm i'm actually on a diet right now because i stepped on the scale the other day and holy cow Mm. i just weighed a whole lot more than i should um and i'm finding when i've fasted in the past i don't really have a hard time um with that like i i would fast for a certain amount of time and and 
whatever. But there also wasn't a whole lot of growth in me spiritually inside of that. But what I found in this is uh, most of my diet consists of eating the things that I know I'm supposed to eat, not eating the things that I just want, and yeah. then not eating a as Jim Gaffigan has put it, I don't know what happened. I just ate abusively for 40 years. <laughs> um, how did I, how did I turn into this big fat guy? Um, so just trying to not eat abusively. Um, but, um, I have found that it, it is really hard for me to not give myself all of the things that I want. Yeah. And you know, that. like that's, there's, there's a, a little bit of a, it's not exaggeration, but um, there's plenty of things that I don't give myself that I want. But like when it comes to food, like that's been a really tough thing. Um, and I don't, I don't really, I didn't know that about myself. I, I know that I'm not a very disciplined person, but uh, I, I don't think that I realized how far that had gone. Um, where anytime I was feeling uncomfortable with some sort of situation and be like, you know what? I really need a Coke mm-hmm. or a cookie wings or wings or anything mm-hmm. that would make me feel something in my stomach that doesn't make me feel this thing that's mm-hmm. in my head. Anyway, getting real, real here, but, um, that it's that it's that like, I can't imagine being, uh, the, the vacation at the sea that's, that has promised me. I can't imagine the overwhelming uh, comfort and joy that comes solely from Jesus Christ because I'm slicking my thirst with other things. Paul, you want to read that? Yeah, we we came to this kind of from McKnight's commentary, but Chris was making that comment again about exiles, and and we do. We're going to mm-hmm. return back to this, and I feel like it's it's going to happen continually through for a while with First Peter. And I think, Chris, the way you said it on Sunday was was great of like, again, we don't want to over-dramatize the exile, quote-unquote exile, we've experienced through this pandemic. Right. But there certainly are relatable things that we, we don't want to go without commenting on. Because the exile to the audience of First Peter was much more... I mean, real and tangible. I mean, they when they're called strangers and aliens, this this terminology for the Roman empires is non-citizens. And so they were, as aliens, restricted in, I mean, who they could marry, how if they could hold land, or uh, they were limited in the succession of property. Um, they're not allowed to participate in certain associations. They had to pay higher prices, certainly higher taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, their forms of civil punishment were much more severe. I mean, all the things that, that kind of would go about being an outsider being limited in just kind of the natural participation of kind of what's going on. And it's that it's in that, life in life. And it's that, that we can relate to in the quote unquote pandemic time of being restricted from some of the more natural, um, you know, abundances of life that we are used to doing, but really it's nothing like being denied in the sense of your identity as a non-citizen um, in the Roman empire. And anyways, and McKnight kind of has this thing of like talking about why these, what these Christian workers were doing and why then they found meaning in Christianity. And he has a quote, it says they were disenfranchised workers laboring in the cracks of a network that largely excluded them, but they had found meaning in their existence of the Christian family. And it's this idea of, he calls it homelessness. He says the homelessness of these people, in other words, led them to a new home 
the church, the family of God, in which they found social acceptance and protection. And that idea of are we operating as ones desperate for the home of Jesus Christ that he has, he has given us as co-heirs. Right. And, and I think that comes back to this notion of do we see the benefit rightly as it is? Mm-hmm. Or do we right. <clears throat> mire in the mud pits just making our own mud pies? Well, I mean, yeah, and you were talking about the the homelessness maybe being referenced in our, our homeboundness mm-hmm. um, that we were, um, some of us experiencing over COVID and stuff like that. And, and I think, I, I, I think that it, it like you can, COVID can, can, um, or, or what, what we've been experiencing for the past year can kind of point out some ways that we have tried to, you know, we've talked about the survival mindset a lot. Um, the, the coping, that's uh, people are trying to do like I don't I don't have these things that I normally have relied on to to escape or to you know unwind or to and we use all these different terms for it um, but we're trying to cope with stress and with anxiety and with fears and with all all of these different things in life and we we turn to all of these other things and some of those things got taken away during COVID and so we've seen like oh well there's that. And everybody talks about how they've got, you know, gotten fatter over COVID. Well, they could sit at home and eat, you know, there was still some takeout that was happening and stuff like that. And so, you know, me for one, like eat eating abusively. Um, and, and it's different things for different people. But the point being that like, if, if COVID showed you that you were, or if, if in COVID you see that you are, using something else to satisfy yourself, (laughs) um, then you're, it's, it's probably the case that before COVID, it wasn't Jesus that you were being satisfied on. Yeah. Because he didn't leave. Yeah. That, that, that's not one of the things you were exiled from. No. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that this is a good opportunity and it gets lost on us so much because now we're looking at like these, different freedoms that are being opened up and everything like that. And I'm like, no, no, you're still in the, like, this is, we're not all of a sudden available to go to the sea. Like you're just looking at a bigger mud pot pie. Like you're looking at a a bigger puddle to go jump in. You know, a couple of weeks ago talking about even online viewership when we, when we talked together was the, you know, if, if, if watching online has made you just hungry for the assembly and gathering together with family, Mm -hmm. I mean, then, that's great. We can't wait for you to return. Yeah. If gathering online is just like, wow, this is easy. And I don't really miss the messy relationships and having to get to know people and having to do things. And then it's like, nope, maybe now you're settling for something else. Yeah. If that's instead the set of what is more rich, more abundant. I'll just go ahead and say it. If that's the case, we need to turn it off. Yeah. We, we did talk about that. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the reasons we didn't do it for a long time was the fear that it, people would use it. In his attempt to replace gathering, yeah, and and a something <clears throat> all right instead of something great, right? Something yeah. satisfactory, but it's not satisfactory. It's it's something that's close. And it's a counterfeit. Mm-hmm. And again, if you're if you're engaging with the online experience the way it's intended as 
for whatever reason, I actually can't, can't. be there. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Or because that's that's true of we have people who watch it overseas. There are missionaries who engage with us and, and watch it. We have people who are sick or at home or, or can't get out or whatever or who can't be here this Sunday, so they watch it later in the week. That's that's the blessing of it. That the the fear may be the wrong word, but the concern that we've had all along is that someone who could absolutely be here on Sunday morning could be engaging with the fellowship of believers, could be gathering, isn't. And now they they would be if it wasn't online. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know how many people that applies to that they would go. That's I'm a just real not going to do anything. I mean, I'm just not going to. I'm not going to go, and I'm not going to watch, which I feel like is kind of between that that person and their God. But the uh, whoever their God must be. But the the idea of saying, <clears throat> how do we, how do we, um, how do we engage in that conversation in a way that's healthy? And mm-hmm. one of the things we've talked about probably it's about time to start doing the having the introduction at the beginning of the of the online um of the reminder it's you know it's time to time to get here so anyway there's there's a and that, there's a lot to it it's not it's not an easy call and that was again you know we're talking about something that is a difference between what is probably good or all right like it's, again it's not that inherently there is evil in watching online right mm-hmm. no we're talking about something that is good compared to something that is great and that is again our nature of how we can be right. satisfied or inoculated with the Ooh. things that are good not that's that what word. is inoculated yeah great i love that word and and this is what struck me after you were sharing the um c.s lewis quote before was don everett's in his small little um book i don't know if it was a they'd call it a novelette if it was about things but it's like these little muses that he has and and, and really what he's trying to do in this in the, in these books is is kind of write up a farther extreme version of something in his mind that then convinces him greater of the truth. And so he exaggerates some things and comes up with some scenes. Anyways, it's a little book called The Smell of Sin and the Fresh Air of Grace. And in it, he's talking about this concept of how we can settle for something less than good. Um, and this is this is from his little section called The Picnic. And again, it's kind of long. Um, and it gets kind of graphic, but at the same time, I think that that's important because this is our choices when we, when, when we falter from what is good in front of us. He starts with, imagine a young child sitting near a beach with her parents. There's a great picnic spread before her, a wonderfully thick checkered blanket on the grass simply covered with goodies, watermelon, of course, and sharp cheddar cheese with crackers and a bowl of steaming corn on the cob deviled eggs and chocolate cookies and dill pickles and a clear glass pitcher full of cold lemonade and clinking chunks of ice. It's a good day. The sun is overhead and the breeze is blowing slightly just enough to keep the flies away. But the daughter, the little girl sitting on the grass next to the blanket, well, she's eating, that's for sure. But she's eating dirt-covered rocks. Yes, rocks. As sure as the grass is green and the sun is warm in the air, she's picking up pebbles and stones from the ground around her and eating them. Her teeth are beginning to chip and crack in places, and there's blood beginning to drip out of her tiny mouth, but she's forcing a smile. Of course, her parents try to desperately stop her, but she's a determined little girl, and the longer she goes without real food, the more desperate she gets. She's grabbing fistfuls now, grass, rocks, dirts, twigs, all together being shoved into her young mouth, and her parents weep beside her. The sad sight of her frenzy next to the wonderful food they've prepared is too much. The blood from her mouth is dripping onto her yellow sundress and her hands are beginning to shake. 
The parents plead desperately through flowing tears. Honey, those aren't good for you. You're breaking your teeth, honey. Look, they try not to break down. Look at the yummy watermelon on the blanket. You won't eat that? Their words are tender. Your blanket, her her voice is high and harsh. It's like I'm being stifled by your blanket. But the parents start up in disbelief. Get out of my face. Her tiny voice doesn't seem so young anymore. Tiny drops of blood splatter when she talks. This little girl's parents aren't shaking fingers. They aren't dreaming up punishment. They are weeping, for they know the blanket, and they know what the rocks and the grass do to a young body. They won't force feed her cheese and watermelon. They weep because they know their daughter is slowly killing herself. That's the smell of sin, according to Jesus. I am the true vine. I am the true bread. Come down from heaven. All other vines and bread, they are false. They are like rocks, grass, and dirt. I mean, just let that sink in for a second. That's the idea of us being, trying to be satisfied with other things. They they never will. They are Mm -hmm. killing us. Mm -hmm. Um, They, they, they are not what brings life. Jesus said that he is the way and the truth and the life. Um, And, He's come to give us abundant life. Abundant life. And we can rejoice in his spread that he puts before us. Um, he is good, and he gives good gifts. Be encouraged. <laughs>